0: moms can come in every shape and form and sometimes their children happen to have fur and wagging tails this is a podcast for those who love the four-legged friends that they rescued because they got rescued right back each week we bring on a dog mom or two to talk about their dogs and how they changed their lives this is rescue dog moms a parenting podcast i'm Yemeni and this is boss <coughs> Hello Dog Moms and Dog Dads, welcome to the Rescue Dog Moms podcast. Hope you're all enjoying our new fall season. I think the first snowfall came down last night, but it was, you know, sporadic. It's been a hectic time at our house, so thank you as always for your patience with new episodes dropping. We just adopted a new dog, so that's the biggest news here. You can visit at Bad Boy Boss to obsess over her because she's so cute. Her name is Queenie, I'm also work, has been super busy. I am so excited to share this episode though, ever since I recorded it, I just knew this was going to be a great one. Today I'm talking with Ashley, she's dog mom to Moose and Nico. Ashley works in the veterinary space and we chat about best practices at a vet from a pet parent perspective especially an emergency vet because that's where she works we also talk about her dog Nico and what it's like having a special needs dog I do want to warn you guys I had a huge issue with audio for this episode my mic was way too close to my face so apologies in advance if the episode sounds a little wonkier than usual I did try to fix it overall though I think this episode is so informative None of us want to deal with the topics of illness and going to an emergency vet dealing with that situation but unfortunately it does always happen when you least expect it and honestly it's been a useful thing for me to think about in terms of our pets. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast and if you can please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps my podcast grow and of course keep sharing with all of your pet pals um, and people passionate about rescue see you next time hi Ashley welcome to the rescue dog moms podcast how is it going thanks for joining us
1: thank you for having me I really appreciate you inviting me on the show
0: of course I'm super excited to chat with you but before we you know get into the nitty-gritty miss dog mom why don't you tell me a little bit about your kids
1: so I have two dogs. I have Nico, um, who is a mixed breed who came overseas from Israel, thanks to Dogtales Rescue. And I have Moose, who is a golden retriever that I've had his entire life. Moose is my old guy. He, in a couple of days, will actually be 13. So he's oh my a God. teenager now. Yes, he's an old man. I got him as a puppy, basically met him just after I lost my other dog, Cheerio. I was working my first veterinary class. Clinic and they had the litter had come in literally like a laundry basket. And he was six weeks old or or whatever he was. And I picked him up and he was just this golden floof of floofiness and was like Like literally
0: the stereotype of like that puppy. Like if you look (laughs) up puppy on Google, that's where puppy moose shows up.
1: Yeah, just like. huge floof squishy face like he was I I have a picture literally from the night that he was brought in of me like holding him and like smushing him it was just kind of like this meant to be type thing and so yeah I've had him ever since but he's definitely like mama's boy to my mom's he's not super attached to me he's super attached to my mother but Nico is my guy I was volunteering at Dogtails for two-ish years and he had come over from Israel. And Nico is special needs. So he has a neurological condition called cerebellum hypoplasia. And what that is, is the cerebellum part of his brain, which is the part that connects your spinal cord and then sends out all your signals to your body. Is actually smaller than it should be. When he was brought over here, they had initially thought that Nico was blind. Dogtails was really good at vetting their intakes and ended up sending him to ophthalmologist who was like, this dog has no issues seeing. <laughs> and then brought him to a neurologist who then did all these testings and did like the MRI CT scan. I don't know quite which one they did, but found out that he's got this. And he was there for a year and he he really attached to me, which is adorable.
0: Oh, and um, I assume, sorry to interrupt. I assume okay. you were physically volunteering at the shelter. Yes.
1: Yeah, which is I quite different than
0: like what, you know, I yes. do. <laughs> so
1: I don't know how many people know about tails, but dogtails is very different as a rescue because they have a physical space. So they intake dogs, they have kennels, they, they live a luxurious life while they are there before they are adopted. So I lived very close to them just here in Newmarket. And they're just in King City, like it's a five minute drive. So I was there once, twice a week, walking dogs, bonding with dogs. He really took to me. um, And I actually really liked another dog that was there, but then he ended up getting adopted as well. But Nico would, he was very reactive to other dogs, other people, even some of the staff there he did not like but he would see me and he would be like, oh, it's you and get very like jumpy and would like howl for me. And like, so yeah, exactly.
0: So cute, obviously you're like, oh, I'm special, I like it.
1: Yes, yeah, so he would- (laughs) He really attached to me and I would spend a lot of time in his kennel with him. Sometimes I would just sit there and he would like curl up on my legs or Dog Tales has these really cute bed things where the dogs can go inside and it's almost like a dresser with doors and then there's a bed inside. They're massive. They're like six feet big. I would go inside of the, this <laughs> dresser and lay down and he would spoon with me. So he would get in as well and we would like take a nap. Like if people walked by, he would go berserk. So it was almost like he was like, no, you are my person. Like he definitely chose me before I had chosen him. So sweet. He's my little guy. He's definitely like my little soulmates and he's my little bug.
0: (laughs) And how old is he now?
1: He, I'm estimating about seven. I had looked up at the rescue in Israel, which he was originally from, and they had said he was eight months old in August of 2014. And then he came in 2015. So yeah, so he's about seven. Is my math even heading up? I don't even know.
0: (laughs) Don't ask me. (laughs)
1: But yes, so I had found his original like adopt me page on the Facebook page. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So I went searching because I was like, I need to know, you know, what his life was like before he got here. They had estimated him to be five, but I don't know if that's just kind of the thing that they put down so that they could bring him over here if he was too young to come. I don't know about that, but they had said that he was about five. So, but it, that it didn't make sense after I had looked up like his original, like adopt me in Israel. So I think he's about seven. Yeah. I've had him for five years too. So Mm -hmm.
0: do you uh, know anything about his rescue story in Israel or how he was brought over?
1: I don't know any of his. Israeli past I do know that when the founders of dog tales Danielle and uh and Rob had gone over he bit Danielle <laughs> and, yes but she was adamant that she wanted to bring him over and like give him a new life so I'm very thankful for that but that's that's kind of the extent that I know of yeah exactly. that
0: he's a sassy guy basically she,
1: she's like she said to me once like oh this scar is from him and I was like oh my god like just like pointed at her hand, and I'm like,
0: sorry, so even though I wasn't even there.
1: <laughs> right? Oh my god! And like, if I bring him to Dogtails now, he gets he gets very excited to like pull into the driveway and like see everybody that he used to know, and like he recognizes them, he recognizes her. Like it's it's very That's sweet. cute. Yes, yeah, it's very sweet.
0: I will say I know all these names mostly from binge watching their reality show. Right? So. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if people want to know. <laughs> just watch the show it's on crave he
1: was on he was on it once and oh like, it was a brief second and they actually talk about him briefly it was it's the festival episode
0: okay you
1: see him and and me I look terrible but whatever
0: I'm gonna post in the show notes because I think Dude, that'll be fun for people
1: just find Nico spot Nico in the festival episode of the dog tales show
0: love it <laughs> Okay, tell me a little bit about each of their personalities.
1: Moose is very goofy. Moose is, he loves love. He loves people. He probably could give less a care about other dogs, but he loves people so much. And he's just, he'll, he's funny. He's goofy. He always looks like he's got a smile on his face. He will want to like lay in your lap. And once I had taken him, we went to the dog park and- there weren't many dogs there which is fine and he had found this kid probably eight ten years old and he was sitting on a bench and moose just went and sat in front of him and this kid is just like petting him and like they sat there i think 10 15 minutes and this kid just like pet him and the kid was just like happy and was just like, of okay. course
0: that's like my like, dream if i was a was kid true. and a dog went up to me asking me to pet it like right? yeah and
1: that's the best day dog. best day <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But he's like, yeah, so he's definitely like a, a people dog and not like a dog dog yeah
0: I think I remember actually when we last saw each other we had like a big dog gathering at a dog park (laughs) and Dan came and I think after that I think after the event the main thing he said is like oh I just hung out with Moose for like a good five minutes
1: and I think Dan was literally on the ground yes he was sitting in the dirt and Moose was like hello we are friends now I'm gonna lay on top of you yeah that is what happened yes (laughs) so that's exactly what he's like he's happy you digest sit and be touched he's he's my goofy guy like he's yes he's older now but he's still very playful which is very nice he recently had a surgery um, earlier this year for a thyroid nodule basically um, on his parathyroid gland. and he was before this surgery he was very sad like he mm-hmm. was lethargic laid around a lot didn't want to eat just kind of like didn't care for anything in the world and we were kind of like Okay, well, you're getting older. You're probably sore. You don't want to do much. But when we found out that he had the hypercalcemia, which is what it's called when this nodule sends out a bunch of calcium into the body, and it can be very serious. So when we found out he had this, we went to a specialist who then did an ultrasound, found this like it was pea sized. It was so tiny. We ended up doing surgery like a week later. And totally different dog like he's happy again he's happy to like run in the backyard he like two weeks after his surgery he was like barking at the lawnmower and moose is not a barker moose does not make a sound he just was like this thing is pissing me off today i'm gonna bark at it
0: he's like i've been holding this in for years
1: years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) i need to tell her to fuck off right now
1: (laughs) exactly exactly and it, it was so funny it was just like he completely different dogs so mm. he's uh he's living his best life now and yes very goofy very very stoic too sometimes he's very much like a, a protector even when it comes to so he and Miko are very different and they don't care for each other like they don't play with each other they don't lay next to each other they're just they live in the same house they interact but they don't care to interact more than they have to kind of thing. Moose is very protective when it comes to Nico. If we're out and about at the dog park or or taking a walk and he's kind of like, he'll put himself in front of Nico to kind of be like, okay, well, I know that something might happen. So I'm going to just kind of intervene here. I'm going to be a body. It's very cute to see like these types of interactions. They like each other enough to be like, this is how it's going to go. Like, we're going to just work together here in our quiet way. (laughs)
0: that's really sweet it's like I pretend not to care but like I still do
1: yes yeah yeah
0: (laughs) tell me a bit about Nico please
1: Nico is he's also very goofy he's goofy in the way because of his condition makes him walk funny makes him very he wobbles a lot right so I'll never forget like the first time I had When I, after I adopted him and one of the first times I had been walking him, um, this older man saw him and was like, that walk deserves to be on a runway. And I was just like, that is the
0: best. It was true.
1: It was so sweet. And uh, like, there have been people who are like, what's wrong with your dog? You get a lot of negative look upon your dog because he's walking funny or acting weird or falls over. I have learned over like the last five years is that like, yes, people are going to say stuff. And I mean, when he falls over, like, I know that he's okay. So like, yeah, I know that people have shot me daggers, like, oh, because he like, will fall over
0: and like, you're they're like you should care like, more uh, you should make a bigger deal of it or whatever right? I'm yeah. just
1: like, you're fine he's fine and, and also like
0: fine. i don't think dogs want you know would that make Nico happier for you to freak out every time he right? fell over that's like stressful for a dog
1: with a kid you know you don't want to make a big deal that they hit their head on the floor right like you just kind of gotta go you're fine and they're like oh yeah I'm fine. Yeah. Right? He's not a big, like, he doesn't care if I have to, like, run over and be like, what are you doing? So I usually don't. Though he did smash his face on the concrete a week and a bit ago. And, like, oh, baby his- I know his tooth had like cut his like just inside of his lip and like so he's like bleeding and I'm like oh god like so he's fine now it's all healed but he's he's got like black lips and black gums when he gets like a cut or something it heals as like as pink so he's got like these two little marks on the side of his lip that are pink and I'm like you poor boy but he's also like got chin scrapes from like falling on his face and like scraping his chin and He's a, uh, he's a fun handful. Um, what the baby. And I have to like, I have to carry him because he can't do stairs. And so like every day I pick him up out of bed and I walk him up the stairs and we go outside and then I help him come inside on the stairs. He's better at going up the stairs than he is downstairs because downstairs he'll just literally just do a somersault he knows that like oh there's a set of stairs okay I can see if I can maneuver them but someone will help me and so like a lot of it is a lot of carrying
0: (laughs) and how big is he again he
1: is about 55 pounds oh yeah
0: that's a workout (laughs)
1: <laughs> it, he's a big. He's a kind of a chunky monkey too. Like I got pipes. I'm just like.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Keep strong. Nico's great. a great, great set of weights.
1: Right, <laughs> just just bicep curls with this dog.
0: Since we're talking about Nico, I'd love to expand a bit on obviously your experience with Nico in particular as a special needs dog, and maybe from your uh, other experience, just like what you think owners or even fosters I like, can consider because obviously we always have special needs dogs and I mean the more people who can take special needs dogs either as fosters or as adopters the more we can save should someone maybe like consider if they're like maybe I could like handle that but I don't know I don't have any like experience with one
1: I feel like there are varying degrees of special needs dogs or pets like even cats you know blind deaf you know having a deaf animal I don't want to say it's easier because I don't have any experience with deaf animals other than through work, but it's very hard not to talk to an animal. You want to be like, oh, you're so cute. What a good boy. Have it like sit, lay down, give me a paw. Like there are, we use our words so much as commands. I think doing things with dogs who are, are deaf might be a little bit easier than a dog that is blind versus a dog that has his senses like Nico, but is unable to control his body in a way that those dogs can. I think that when someone is considering special needs, whether it's blind, deaf, a tripod, paralyzed, something neurological like Nico, you really got to consider your lifestyle. You know, there are able-bodied dogs you can take them on hikes. You can take them on things. Like with Nico, I know I tried to do like a 5K walk with him. And by like the 4K, he was like weaving back and forth. And he was like, I can't do this anymore. So I literally had to pick him up and put him over my shoulders so I could walk him to the finish line the last kilometer. But he was also fairly new to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, we can totally do this. No, we could not totally do that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's knowing your limitations as a person, right? So if you're looking at an animal, yes, who is blind or or has like a neurological condition, you got to remember, okay, well, I have to block my stairs, or I have to make sure that the dog knows, hey, stop. Those are stairs, baby gates, making sure that yes, if your dog is blind or has a condition like Nico's that you can lift them up. If you have to go down a set of stairs, or you have to go down, you have to go somewhere like into a car, or there's different things that you need to consider when adopting a special needs pet, because it's not just rainbows and sunshines, (laughs) right? Like there are various considerations that you need to take before saying yes this is something that I want to do this is something I commit to I had someone say oh I saw a dog on I don't know pet finder or whatever has the same condition as Nico and I I want to adopt it and I'm just like are you prepared to carry a dog around are you prepared to be able to sling a dog through its back legs if it's not able like off topic I ended up seeing a dog literally on Petfinder last night who has the same condition as Nico but worse
0: oh yeah
1: to the point where it could not stand by itself mm-hmm. you know I am thankful that Nico is functioning to in in a way that he can walk by himself he he can do a lot of things by himself whereas this poor dog probably needs a chair, like a wheelchair to help him stand properly because this poor dog is so wobbly that he can't get his footing, even on mm. his front legs, to put up his back legs. There are various degrees of just special needs that people think that, okay, yeah, I can take this on because then it makes me look like a good person, but it's not about being a good person. It's, it's about ensuring that you're giving them that quality of life that helps them through their, their special ability basically
0: yeah and I feel like on this (laughs) podcast we talk a lot about like and you know we do also just as rescue people like yes like you want to choose a dog based on your lifestyle but like you have to make accommodations too and you have to suit like yourself to your dog and what your dog needs like yeah everybody wants a dog who loves other dogs and loves people but (laughs) then you get that dog and you're like hmm not like as straightforward as I thought it was going to be that I could like let this dog meet everybody and it's going to go smooth. So that's like, you know, more of a behavioral example, but maybe on the special needs side, it is kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, if you have a shit ton of stairs, that's going to be harder for you. But are you ready to make accommodations for that to make that dog live still like a quality of life? We recently sat Ashley's dog Julio, which was my first experience with a blind dog in the house. And obviously Julio is you know became blind later in life and he's a very well-trained dog and like yes. the mobility like no issues but it was an interesting experience just to like spend that week getting him accommodated to the house and like yes. having him learn everything and we have a set of stairs to the basement that honestly even our even my foster dog Ringo right now he's like I don't want to go down there he doesn't like it. <laughs> So when we have dogs over, they usually we just hang out upstairs. And with Julio, it was just very interesting how by the end of the first week, he mapped out the house so well that it really didn't feel like we had a special needs dog at all. That was like one example of I know that when I had, you know, Mel on the podcast with Nanaimo, she mentioned that for the blind side of it all
1: a lot of people will say like the dog will get accommodated when it's when it's blind right because it will say oh okay this is a couch this is a table this is with a blind animal they can hear you so if you say oh watch out there is the table or you put your hand there they familiarize themselves with okay like here is here's the couch so three feet away should be the table like they have that ability to map out your home. I think even in that episode, she mentioned moving furniture. Like if you move your furniture, your dog's gonna be very confused. So I feel I feel that, right? Like I knew that if I was taking Nico home, I would have to carry him up and down stairs. And in the house that before we moved to this home, we had a large staircase. And so I think it was 12, 14 stairs or whatever it was. And I would carry him from The top to the bottom. You know, some nights I would have to carry him up. But even when he wanted to go up the stairs by himself, I had to make sure that I was behind him because Mm -hmm. he would forget what foot would go next. And I would be able to tell because he would stop and like just kind of be like, oh, what am I doing? And then try and lift like two feet at once. And it's like, nope. There have been times where I've witnessed him go on the stairs and then forget what he's doing yeah. and then he would fall backward, and it makes you like it made me feel terrible because it's like oh my god like I wasn't watching I wasn't paying attention and and here he is like falling down and I'm like Ooh. but he doesn't he doesn't try to adventure on the stairs anymore <laughs> I was gonna say
0: eventually hopefully they learn like now I need my mom here to do this task and that's yes, the learning yes. for him so that you can worry a little less yourself
1: yes yeah <laughs> I mean listen, like he's happy to do like three, three stairs, maybe four stairs max where he's kind of confident that he can make it. And I keep a watchful eye now that, you know, if he's going near the stairs, like usually he's not like, I'm going to go up here for no reason. He's, you know, with us all the time. If he's outside and coming up like the the patio stairs, I'm like, okay, well, be careful. Once I had my phone in my hand and the Google home came on. And so he was, I forget what he was doing, but I was like, careful, careful, careful. And like Google home was like always. And I'm like, come on, Google. (laughs) It was a doggy.
0: That's happened here too. Talking to the dogs (laughs) in the Google home. Gets, gets in the way.
1: If people want special needs, it's just, it's just accommodation and, and making sure that your lifestyle fits with them. It also matches with the behavioral thing too. Like everyone wants a a socialized dog, but if you are looking at rescues, not all of them are going to be socialized. Nico was not socialized when I first got him either. He was an ass. He was, he totally was. He didn't like other dogs. He didn't like certain people. I made sure that, you know, on our our morning walks, I would take him around to the farmer's market. And while I wouldn't go through the farmer's market, I would go around so that he can hear the noise and the, the shouting and music and, you know, all of that kind of stuff so that he would learn that okay there's people this is not something that I need to freak out about this is something that I can walk by and not worry about it and it goes hand in hand I think as well yes
0: definitely good to point out that like especially <laughs> dogs might have behavioral concerns yes,
1: exactly you exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> they're exactly. not angels that
1: yes, exactly.
0: gotta, like, <laughs> happily learn all of the things they're like
1: yeah 100 percent. It, it goes hand in hand that you know they're not they're not gonna be like oh yes I'm perfect because I'm missing an arm you know just because he's missing an arm doesn't mean he's gonna not gonna run after like another dog and try and bite him you know right like, totally which I've seen by the way it's like how did you move so fast
0: yeah every tripod I've ever met I'm like you're like literally the fastest dog I've ever seen I it's feel pretty- like they have extra Oomph, it, somehow they're just they like do. I'm gonna really go for it
1: they do they turn on that like that one turbo and they're like oh, fast as fuck boy yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: are there any like if someone were to adopt a dog with Nico's condition are there any like vetting regards that they should like be considering other than just you know the regular checkups
1: so in in Nico's case with cerebellum hypoplasia there is nothing additional you need to do other than various injuries that can happen from falling over or that kind of thing but it's i feel like it's nothing that any other dog would not be would not get but there are things that maybe as he gets older that i have to consider like joint issues that kind of thing because he is very hard on his legs because he's constantly using them to stabilize I personally take him to a chiropractor, <laughs> like a crazy mom, and he loves it. He loves his chiropractor, Dr. Adam. We pull up to the house and he's like, oh my God. And he like gets all excited. It's very cute. Like I don't have dog insurance for Nico. Like I don't have insurance for Nico. I'm a big advocate for insurance, but with Nico, the concern is that because it's technically a pre-existing condition.
0: Yeah, totally
1: that they would say, Oh, sorry. He hurt his leg because hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't have insurance for him because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that I makes feel sense. like
1: they would be like, mm, no, not this time. Mm, no, because it's because of this. So I, I never got him insurance. I have insurance for Moose.
0: I think that makes sense. So I do feel like I think, I think maybe one of the things to consider for a special needs dog is you will probably have to pay most things out of pocket because yeah. it is easy for insurance companies to just trace anything back to X, Y, Z. So Ashley, you also work in the vetting industry. And I know myself as a rescue person and a dog owner who deals with vets for my fosters, for other people's fosters, for boss. I still feel like I have no idea what's going on behind those doors, especially because I haven't even been able to go inside since COVID. So I'd love to get some insight from you into the life of working in a vet's office. Basically, you know, I don't think it's the dream that I had when I was eight years old and all I wanted to be was a vet. Maybe we could get started on like your background.
1: About 15 years ago, I went to school for at Sheridan for animal care, which was a program that got me kind of in the door through vet clinics as a veterinary assistant. And basically what I do is kind of everything from answering phones to transitioning an animal through end of life. So I have a wide range of skills working in uh, two emergency clinics. Let me tell you, when when your pet comes in, in during one of these kind of dire situations, like an emergency hospital, we do everything we possibly can. What I do as an assistant is basically hug and kiss and snuggle your pet <laughs> from the time it walks in the door to the time that they leave. I help the technicians and the veterinarians do things like take blood. I help hold your pet so that they can get vitals. The initial thing that happens when your pet goes into the treatment area of a hospital is what's called the TPR. So that's temperature, pulse, and respiratory rate. During those things, I will hold your pets and smooch them and be like, you're at the cutest. That's how I keep them still is, is mm-hmm. basically giving them kind of like this hug. Some pets don't like the big hug. So that's totally fine. I just kind of keep my hands on them to keep them still enough that I help them stay still and, and they get the job done basically, and figure out what's going on with your your pet to make sure that they are healthy, happy, and we figure out whatever illness or, or problem is going on when you are visiting with your pet at, at the hospital.
0: When you were in school, or maybe even before when you were thinking about it, how did your expectations of what life in the veterinary industry look like to you versus how It actually was.
1: So I think that when I was interested in, in working with animals, just in general, I knew that it wasn't all puppies and kittens. And a lot of people think like that. A lot of people are like, well, you get to see puppies all day. You get to see kitties all day. You get to, everything is, is happy and everything is rainbows and sunshine. And, but it it definitely is not. It's a lot of vomit. It's a lot of blood. It's a lot of puke, which I already said. (laughs) I literally had a dog shit on my leg. Yeah. Yeah, not like turds. It was like, here is my explosive diarrhea from the knee down. I literally did not even know it was going to happen until one of my co workers was like, watch out. And it was like slow motion. And I looked down and this mastiff of a dog was like slightly hunched and like just it just shot out of her. I felt really bad for her. But Also, I was covered in poop. It's not, it literally is not puppies and kittens.
0: It's
1: diarrhea. It's bloody vomit. It's it's gross. it's gross, but I love it. <laughs> I feel like
0: this is like, it's kind of like the reality of fostering times a billion. Yeah, Cause it's like the same thing I tell people with fostering, like you're you know, you get used to feces yeah. and piss and vomit in your house. That's and when I tell people true. who've had like dogs their whole lives, they're just like, uh, nothing. I'm like, I get it. We are expert cleaners now. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: for real though. Like it's, it's a lot of dirty work, like maggots maggots
0: oh my god yeah and worms (laughs) i've only seen them from afar and just been like that is disgusting and you probably deal with them every day Yeah.
1: yeah okay not maggots every day but it's been there like that is even just working regular practice regular day checkups regular just your regular day at a regular clinic now emergency you're getting a whole array of different things and it It's hard work, don't get me wrong. It's hard work. Sometimes you never get used to it, but you see a lot of trauma. A lot of trauma to owners. You see a lot of trauma to pets. It's not for everybody. I say that with the best intentions because we need people in this industry. We need assistants. We need technicians. We need doctors. But it's not for everybody. You know, you can't be mad at an owner for, for choosing something that you would not have chosen. You know, whether that's because of something going on in their own lives, maybe that's because of money. Maybe that's because who knows? You don't know what is going on, just like people don't know what is going on in, in those closed doors. I mean- I post a lot about technicians and veterinarians and assistants and receptionists not being appreciated the way that they should be, especially during these times. And I completely understand like you're pet is going into a treatment area. You can't be with them. We're asking you to wait in your vehicles. And I get it. It can be scary. It's not going to be easy for you because you're not even on a good day. You're not able to go into the treatment area anyway.
0: I think this is kind of like, you know, what you talk about a lot on your channel and I'm Thank you for bringing it up because I did want to talk about it. Like, you know, burnout in any healthcare industry has finally become a topic of discussion thanks to COVID in across, you know, obviously like the medical field as well. And I think what you're pointing out is that the veterinary industry is like very similar in that you're dealing with people in their worst moods going through Hard times and unfortunately, sometimes choosing to take that out on you or your colleagues while no one wants to be in an emergency situation. Like you're still dealing with people at the end of the day.
1: Exactly. It's very hard because you sympathize with people because they're coming in and their pet is sick. What people also need to understand is emergency hospitals work like a human hospital in that we triage. So basically the worst go first. If you're coming to an emergency hospital because your dog has had diarrhea and or vomiting, your dog is still able to eat, sleep and breathe. And this is putting it in kind of. I don't want to say harsh terms, but your pet is not a critical patient. Unfortunately, during these times, during COVID, when pet ownership has risen, regular veterinarians are losing their staff because of burnout or having shortened hours because of COVID. Um, A lot of things are showing up at the ER, which then packs the ER. And yes, there are long wait times. I think sometimes the shortest wait time can be like four hours. And the longest that I've seen is like 15. Mm -hmm. So... I sometimes literally just say to people on the phone, like, I I'm very sorry. Like people are saying goodbye to their pets right now yeah you have to wait your pet is technically stable yeah there it's it's very hard and nobody wants to be like well my pet's not stable like no owner wants to hear that their pet is stable when their pet Mm -hmm. has been vomiting all day and I and I get it I totally get it it's just that there are critical patients who like blocked cats that's critical you're like if your cat cannot pee your male cat cannot pee it is an emergency If your large breed barrel chested dog is suddenly retching and can't vomit, and its stomach is three times its size, well, that's an emergency. That is bloat. That is. These things are life or death. Things like seizures and bloat, blocked cat, hit by cars, right? Like there there are a lot of emergency clinics have taken to putting their triage, green, yellow, red type stages outside of their hospitals because people don't understand what a triage means. Yeah, When a lot of people call and they're like, well, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, well, when you go to a human hospital, you go into the walk-in and the nurse, you sit down and you speak to a nurse, you give her your health card, you speak to her about what's going on. And if you're like, well, I'm, you know, I have a stomach ache and it's not going away. Okay, well, someone just walked in after being struck by a car in the street. Their trauma kind of trumps your trauma. So that's where the worst go first kind of thing.
0: Comes and in. I think people literally think it's like waiting in line for brunch. Hey, don't <laughs> skip the line. Like, you know, and it's like not like that. Yeah, No,
1: it's not. It's, it's all triage based and it all is. Based off the criticality of your pet, we beg, we beg clients just to understand that there are things that after you speak to a technician or a nurse, they have deemed your pet stable. And that is probably the best news you're going to get. Yeah. (laughs) Like if your pet is stable, awesome. That's great. That means your pet is not in a condition where we need to provide emergency care. It's very sad. The people who get frustrated at hearing that.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, especially with your experiences at an emergency clinic, last thing you want is to deal with frustrated individuals on the phone about something that isn't like an emergency to deal with.
1: I mean, if we're telling you, yes, come by the hospital. Yeah. It does mean like, okay, yes, your pet needs to be seen. And we understand that regular veterinarians are booking like a week or two out still with their appointments. Yeah. But we also need pet parents to understand that while we're saying, yes, come to the hospital, it probably needs to be seen. It doesn't mean it's going to be seen right that moment. Anything can happen at a blink of an eye, the same as a human hospital. Right. Like we all hear sirens and we're like, oh, no, I I hope no one's hurt. Well, that like that's kind of
0: is there anything else that owners should be keeping top of mind when they're interacting with either emergency vets or even in their regular checkups that might help them maybe manage their expectations or their emotions because obviously it is hard when you have when you don't have knowledge on how things work I do think it contributes to your stress oh, absolutely
1: I think when you're visiting your regular veterinarian and you have questions do not be afraid to ask those questions if you have a lot of questions and it's a lot of questions that come up in your head after your appointment see if you can call your clinic and say hey can I write you an email because I have a lot of questions and I don't want to try and play broken telephone between telling a receptionist versus telling the doctor, telling if you can write it all out in email and your clinic says, yeah, send us an email. We can get the doctor to respond as soon as they're able. Then awesome. I think that's, that's something that we can appreciate writing out all of your questions. Now, if you have like one or two questions about like a medication you were given fine, like uh, everyone in, in the office should be, knowledgeable about medications. If they're not, I hope that they say, "Oh, let me put you on hold. Let me ask somebody else. Let me see what kind of answer I can get for you." Now, in an emergency situation, I mean, emotions are high. I think that we just ask for some patience. There is any questions? If there is if there is any concern about the care of your pet or how things are going. If we say, you know, "Give us some time we'll get you an answer We will get you an answer we're not we're not going to withhold information we're not here to stop your pet from getting the care that it needs. We need people to be as honest and as as forthcoming with all the information that they can manage to help us help their pet. And then, you know, and that means like, did your pet get into something did does your pet eat toys? Does your pet eat garbage? If you know that your pet doesn't do something that maybe not all other pets do, or does something that not all other pets do, you have to tell us because that may be vital to a treatment if your dog is vomiting, because it's got something stuck inside of it, right? Like there's, only so much that we can do with the information that is given. And that may, that information that is given may change the course of action that the veterinarian takes to treat whatever is happening with your pet.
0: And on the other side of the spectrum, um, I wanted to ask you more about rescues. We encourage on this podcast to volunteer with a rescue. I know Mm -hmm. one position that you used to do is like help out with the Betting coordination and all of that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on like best practices you learned and what rescues can be keeping top of mind when they're dealing with their betting partners.
1: So I think that when it comes to rescues dealing with regular hospitals, I think it's just, you know, keeping records. That's, I think that's, I mean, I think that's what everybody does. But when it comes to emergency, if Spike ate half his tug toy and he is uncomfortable and vomiting, you know, your foster says, you know, I think he needs to go to the veterinarian, find out what happens, and then let them take them to an emergency bed. I understand that it could be more expensive than going into your regular hospital. If Rex ate half his tug toy, well, we want to make sure we get that tug toy out. While I know a lot of uh, rescues are running on a limited budget, maybe emergency hospitals are not, you know, in that budget, it definitely needs to be like a vetting coordinator should be on hand to be like, yes, go to a vet immediately it is imperative like it you they need to be seen it needs to be fixed it needs to be we don't want to see that and
0: prioritize dogs health and I think not every rescue might have like a vetting coordinator team or like people who are experts or maybe someone like you who has like direct experience but yeah training, if you have your FCs or your foster coordinators or whatever, like mm-hmm. having some understanding of what constitutes an emergency versus uh yeah. let's book you in with our partner vet is important. Yes, yeah.
1: I mean, I think having a list of emergency hospitals, I think having like the pet poison helpline number, I think having like a list of things that are emergent I think having those really should be made laminated stuck to a fridge (laughs) you know like I I think that that's something that people need to keep in mind when fostering too is like there's yeah There's things that you can do to, to help and start doing. And if there are no vetting coordinators and it's the foster coordinator doing that, I mean, I think that when push comes to shove and some poor foster is unable to get a hold of someone at a rescue, they just, here's, here's my closest emergency hospital. I'm going, there are things that just can't wait for an answer. Yes, you can
0: go. No, you can't. I
1: think, I think rescues too would understand, say, yes, you made the right call you know, that's okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you have any other examples of like, maybe types of situations you see all the time that are like, Oh, yeah, this is one that is common in a foster experience that like constitutes an emergency visit. So like you said, eating Eating toys, yeah,
1: something I feel like is is a big one that, you know, a dog, a pet, I should say cats too are in a different place. They have different toys. They have a different bed. They have they have different things that they are now finding as, as new. A lot of it is, yeah, eating things or eating too much of just regular food can become something called food bloat that can be very painful and uncomfortable and that kind of thing like that. There are, there are a bunch of things that could be an emergency but also could not be an emergency, like vomiting and diarrhea in a new place can be just stress we as humans if we're stressed out or we have anxiety well we may shit a little bit right like
0: (laughs) or the opposite
1: yeah if you ever have a concern no one's gonna get no clinic or person is gonna get mad at you for calling and saying hey my animal is doing a b and c I'm just wondering if I should be concerned. And I get a lot of those calls. There are people out there who do not know that a blocked cat or cat that cannot urinate is an emergency. They don't realize that in that moment that it is an emergency. In Canada, we can't give any real medical advice over the phone. But if you tell me your pet symptoms, I can say, yes, you need to be seen. Yes, you need to be seen immediately. Or, no, I think you can wait until Monday when your veterinarian opens. So, no one's going to be mad at you for calling your local emergency hospital and saying, Hey, I have a question, especially when it comes to the health of your pet.
0: Yeah. Have your emergency vet know where it is, know their number, have it in yes. your phone,
1: and your phone laminated on your fridge. Damn it.
0: It's time for the speed round. For our speed round, our dog mom will answer questions as quick as they can about their dog. Let's go. Shy or outgoing?
1: Outgoing for both.
0: Games or treats?
1: Treats. Always treats.
0: What are their favorite treats?
1: Uh, Benny bullies. I buy them in like literally in a two pound bag.
0: We've started, we we don't do Benny specifically, but we have now the humongous liver bags. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Collar, harness, or other. What tools do you use with your dog?
1: Collar with moose. Harness with Nico just because it's easier to keep him steady if he's not so steady.
0: (laughs) You can hold the little handle.
1: Yes. Yeah, I have one of the Julius Canine ones. Oh, nice. They're amazing.
0: Dog beds or human bed?
1: Cooling mat for moose. Not so much a bed type dog, but human bed for Nico. He sleeps with me. Takes up the entire thing.
0: Of course he does. I could see him spread out. (laughs) Squeakies. Balls or sticks?
1: Balls for Moose, squeakies for Nico.
0: People or dogs?
1: People for both.
0: Summer or winter?
1: Summer for Nico, winter for Moose.
0: Moose loves the snow?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. He rolls around in it. He makes little angels. It's funny.
0: Walks or cuddles? Both for both. Early walks or sleeping? Oh, sleeping. Amazing. For both. Thank God. Great. Right? Oh. Are they guard dogs or greeters?
1: Moose is a greeter. Nico is a guard dog. He even barks just at like the trucks going past the house. <laughs> Don't you dare
0: come in here. <laughs>
1: right. Don't give me any deliveries. What are
0: those? Yeah. Boss loves yelling at deliveries, but when they're there, he thinks they're his. Like he'll like be like, what's in here? Is it mine?
1: <laughs> what did you buy for me, mom? Yep. <laughs>
0: for their dog friends. Do they like big dogs or little dogs?
1: anything that's unneutered for Nico or anything sorry anything that is neutered okay
0: I was like that's weird
1: (laughs) yeah Nico hates unneutered dogs and Moose could care less
0: yeah he's like I'm good guys
1: I'm with everybody it's totally fun
0: (laughs) if your dogs were human what voices would they have
1: Nico would probably be like very hyper voice I don't think that I could give him a voice it would just be a very hyper voice and Moose is like hi guys how's it going he's very like dopey and like not so like kind of slow but he's just kind of like hey so yeah that's his voice
0: I can actually visualize I can visualize both of those (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: kind of like an Eeyore type yeah
0: (laughs) I feel like the Eeyore comparison has actually been done a lot and I just I think think it's because like there are so many dogs that are Eeyore like but more happy but like Eeyore like
1: it's that goofy dopey type Yeah.
0: Okay. If your dogs and us, we were like hanging out at a bar. Well, we their drink of choice.
1: I feel like Nico would have beer, and Moose would probably be like some sober type. The mocktail. Yeah, he would probably have like a mocktail, like juice or like, like a Shirley Temple or something. Like, I feel like he's just not a drinker.
0: (laughs) What about like other things? Like, would he like a coffee? What, you know, like some people have said like like a pumpkin spice latte or or whatever.
1: I feel like he would be like I feel like he would be like my brother my brother doesn't drink he just like he drinks teas and like yeah so that would be my brother
0: okay I'm gonna give him a little tea this is also the little cover of the podcast by the way oh my god I love this yes oh my god okay I'll give him a tea a little cute teacup with his pinky out
1: My brother's going to listen to this and be like, I don't understand.
0: Tricks or stares?
1: Yes. So they stare at me like, hey, lady, give me everything that you have on your plate. They do. They will sit if I ask them to sit, but they mostly just stare at me like, you should be sharing. Mm. Stares, definitely.
0: So they, other than sit, any other tricks you can try Um, out with them?
1: Nico doesn't do many tricks. He, because he, when he sits, he wobbles a little bit more. Yeah. So he, he loses his balance if he tries to raise an arm. So I don't ask too much of him. Or Moose will give me the pause. He will give me a high five. He will touch my hands. Like he will, he knows all the stuff, but now I'm just like, you're just cute. Here you go, old man.
0: <laughs> You've worked hard <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Squirrel chaser or scent follower?
1: And Moose is neither. Uh, but Nico is both.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes makes it that's how he smashed his face was chasing his
0: oh yeah it sounds like something out of a looney tune honestly like you know it's like like wiley
1: turn but he doesn't go anywhere yeah
0: (laughs) costumes or naked
1: i like to put clothes on nico and moose is always naked
0: what's your favorite nico outfit
1: i have a matching christmas pajama that i bought i think two years ago And it's just, it's striped. It's like a striped little t-shirt thing. And then it's like, it's a jumper, like a full romper type jumper thing. Um, So we match. He likes bandanas. He looks cute in bandanas. They both look very cute in bandanas.
0: Squat or lift?
1: Moose oddly stretches himself out. Oh yeah, Boss does that. I call
0: it the plank.
1: Yeah, he like stretches like the weirdest thing. It's He just stretches so long just to pee.
0: Yeah, Um, Boss, he still does that when he really has to pee, but he now has transitioned to lifting. uh, But he's still I feel like he's kind of nervous about it. Like he circles like five times. Sometimes he puts his leg up and he's He's like I'm gonna lose my balance so he like pretends he didn't lift it
1: Nico Nico does both when we are on a walk he will lift on everything even though he is not stable to the point where like it's so weird because he will lift his legs so high that he will literally just like roll himself over and pee on himself I'm dead <laughs>
0: I'm dead that's so <laughs>
1: but he wants I don't know he just he wants to lift his leg that or he if he doesn't turn right him right over he will lift his leg and then lean against the tree or, or fire hydrant or whatever he's peeing on I'm just like how do you not like scrape your belly? Like, yeah, he's like, I need
0: to do this.
1: Yes, yeah. He needs to lift his leg on everything to mark everything outside. But in the backyard, he squats. He yeah, thanks you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is a hard question. Do you have a favorite child?
1: <gasps> I mean, yes and no. Nico is technically my own dog, whereas Moose is the family dog. Technically, he is my child and my mom is Nana and Moose is just, I'm his sister. <laughs> so technically, I have a child in Nico, but I mean, I love them both equally.
0: <laughs> um, list the number one quirky thing your dog does.
1: Quirky thing for Moose. Is that he, every time he eats, he will go outside and like roll on his back. Like that's how he digests or something. Yeah. He's like, I've got a full belly. So here I go. Oh my God. And nico will other than the fact that he is completely quirky he does this play thing it's not quite one of the play bows but he will go as flat as he can to the ground and like then will jump three feet in the air and then flat so he like it's like how he initiates playing but it's the funniest thing because it's just like like i'm stealthy but no here i am no and it's very funny
0: absolutely need to see that video Yes. All right, Ashley. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat. Where can people find you to follow Nico's adventures and Moose's adorable smile?
1: (laughs) So you can find us at on Instagram at the it's called Defective Dog Depot um, without the in it. So at Defective Dog Depot and my own personal Instagram, which is for the ocean.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much for joining us on Rescue Dog Moms. I'm so happy to have learned so much about Nico and Moosey. (laughs) Yes,
1: thank you. Thank you for letting me talk your ear off
0: about it. Rescue Dog Moms is a project by Yamini, inspired by her rescue boss, who you can find on Instagram at thepupboss. To keep up with the Rescue Dog Moms podcast, you can follow us at rescuedogmoms.ca or on Instagram at rescuedogmomspod. See you next week. (coughs)